ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय So we are studying a very wonderful and interesting chapter. Juva Maharaj returns home. And we are on text number 12. And uh, yeah, so should we start? We are reading the perp- translations up to text 17. So, O Lord, who have a lotus navel, if a person happens to associate with a devotee whose heart always hankers after your lotus feet, seeking always their fragrance. He is never attached to the material body or in a material or in a bodily relationship to offspring, friends, home, wealth, and wife, which are very, very dear to materialistic persons. Indeed, he does not care for them. So it's interesting because most people, um, their feet don't have a very nice fragrance. (laughs) What is that? What is the disease when you're, Halitosis or something? No, is that or is that bad breath? That's bad breath. There's something else for bad. For I can't remember what it was. <laughs> they don't look very lotus-like. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> but here, um, basically, just saying that when lo- when one loves God, when one loves Krishna, then other things kind of fall into place, and our relationships fall into place. Maybe we should shut that door. My dear Lord, O Supreme Unborn, I know that the different varieties of living entities such as animals, trees, birds, reptiles, demigods, and human beings are spread throughout the universe, which is caused by the total material energy. And I know that they are sometimes manifest and sometimes unmanifest. But I've never experienced the supreme form I behold as I see you now. Now all kinds of methods of theorizing have come to an end. So it's, you know, it's good to keep remember as as we're reading these prayers. Now this is a five year old. <laughs> my son, like my son was saying yesterday, he, we were at this program, and uh, he was playing chess with uh, uh, Chaman Puri's grandson, who's six years old. And my son's okay at chess, and he got easily defeated by this six year old. Uh, <laughs> so you know. Um, so there is the idea of prodigy, but in this case, it's not just that. It's that, that the Lord actually touched with his conch shell the head of Dhruva Maharaj, and then by that mercy, by that kripa, uh, Dhruva Maharaj could understand the whole philosophy. Here he understands that all living entities have a soul. Right? This basic teaching in the Bhagavad Gita, that not just human beings, Anything that uh, is alive has, has a soul and has, ultimately has a relationship with the Supreme. <clears throat> so he has this realization at such a young age. My dear Lord, at the end of each millennium, so he also remembers like everything from the Shastra, right? Because this is something, at the end of each millennium, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Karbo Dakshayi Vishnu, dissolves everything manifest within the universe into his belly. He lies down on the lap of Shesha Nag, from his navel sprouts a golden lotus flower on a stem, and on that lotus Lord Brahma is created. I can understand that you are the same supreme Godhead. I therefore offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Hmm. 
So he's understanding how the world is created, how the world is dissolved. My Lord, by your unbroken transcendental glance, you are the supreme witness of all stages of intellectual activities. You are eternally liberated. Your existence is situated in pure goodness, and you are existent in the supersoul without change. You are the original personality of Godhead, full with six opulences, and you are eternally the master of the three modes of material nature. Thus you are always different from the ordinary living entities. As Lord Vishnu, you maintain all the affairs of the entire universe, and yet you stand aloof and are the enjoyer of the results of all sacrifice. So it's good to remember this, that Krishna, the Lord, maintains the universe and he maintains us. We talked about this last week, right? You know, if, if there wasn't air, we couldn't breathe. Earth, if there wasn't earth, we couldn't eat. Everything we eat comes from the earth. Earth, water. If we didn't have water, forget about it. Earth, water, fire. Without fire, not only... So you could say, no, I only eat raw vegetables. And I know one sannyasi, he only eats raw vegetables. Right? But still you need the fire within your body to digest anything, even raw vegetables. Right? And if there wasn't some fire, we, didn't, you know, we wouldn't be 98.6 or whatever. Right? So earth, water, fire, air. So we're fully dependent on the Lord for everything, and even the basic necessities. You can't eat nuts and bolts. Right? And food doesn't come from a factory. It may be processed in a factory. Matter of fact, probably most food in a Safeway or a Giant is processed. <laughs> but the original cause, um, we forget. I know my style, I think I told you that, right? Because I, you know, I was born in a city. I grew up in New York. So I, 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 didn't, I, I barely knew that milk came from a cow. I kind of realized it didn't just come from the AMP, which was one of the grocery stores at that time. But just barely. <laughs> because just no connection with, with reality. Okay, so we're moving on. Um, and then the next verse, we actually have a purport to read, or part of it. My dear Lord, in your impersonal manifestation of Brahman, there are always two opposing elements, knowledge and ignorance. Your, your multi-energies are continually manifest. But the impersonal Brahman, which is undivided, original, changeless, unlimited, and blissful, is a cause of the material manifestation. Because you are the same in personal Brahman, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So this again, that very simple philosophy that we don't see personality or persons coming from an impersonal source. Right? If we, we see this Murdanga, it didn't just manifest. There was a Murdanga maker. There was a person behind it, a designer. Right? Uh, so Krishna says in the Gita, Brahmanohi pratisht aham. He says, aham, I am the pratishta, the basis of Brahman. Like that. Okay. So a person can create, this is an inanimate object, right? It's not alive. But a person can create something that's not alive, right? But it, the other way it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work in reverse. Right? The Murdanga can't create the Murdanga maker. Although the Murdanga maker can create the Murdanga. Make sense? Yeah. Any questions, comments? Okay, then text 17. My Lord, O Supreme Lord, you um, are the supreme person uh, person personified form of all benediction. 
Therefore, for one who abides in your devotional service with no other desire, worshiping your lotus feet is better than becoming king or lording it over a kingdom. That is the benediction of worshiping your lotus feet. To ignorant devotees like me, you are the causeless, merciful maintainer, just like a cow who takes care of the newly born calf by supplying milk or giving it protection from attack. So that would be a good test for us. If you, had, if you were given a choice of being Krishna's pure devotee or having um, uh, the money of, uh, what is his name? Bezo? Jeff Bezo. Yeah, or you know what? He's the richest guy now, is that right? He owns Washington Post also, yeah. And Amazon. So which one would you choose? Right? Krishna or, you know, a stack of gold up to the ceiling? Because <laughs> here he says, I'd rather worship your lotus feet than becoming a king. And of course, a king had, you know, whatever riches he needed, at least at his disposal. So in the purport, Prabhupada writes the first sentence. Dhruva Maharaj was cognizant of the defective nature of his own devotional service. And then later it says, a devotee must be very sincere in his devotional service. Then, although there may be many things wrong on the devotee's path, Krishna will guide him and gradually elevate him to the highest position of devotional service. So, Dhruva Maharaj, and we're going to hear more about this, he was lamenting that I, you know, I, I approached you, my Lord, for these material things. Now that I have you, it's like, oh my God, what did I do? I really blew it. Right? You ever had that experience where you just say, oh, jeez, I really blew it. Right? So I, um, in the uh, eighth canto, Prabhupada says that, um, <clears throat> so you know the story, right? So Bali Maharaj um, sees Vamanadev, the Supreme Lord, and, but right next to him is Sukracharya, his uh, his guru, but not a really a bona fide guru, right? So, but he he really wants to pay obeisances to the Lord, but he knows his guru is going to get upset, so he does it within his mind, right? And Prabhupada writes that uh, the Lord is so merciful, however, that although Bali Maharaj did not actually offer obeisances, but only endeavored to do so within his mind, the supreme personality of God had blessed him with more mercy than even the demigods could ever expect. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 2.40, Swapamapyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat, even a little advancement on this path can protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. The Supreme Personality of God is known as Bhava Grahi Janardhan. Anyone familiar with that term? Yeah? Correct. Yes because he takes only the essence of a devotee's attitude. If a devotee sincerely surrenders the Lord as a, uh, as a super soul in everyone's heart, immediately understands this. Thus, even though externally a devotee may not render full service, if he is internally sincere and serious, the Lord welcomes his service nonetheless. Thus the Lord is known as Bhava Grahi Janardhan, because he takes the essence of one's devotional mentality. So, and then Prabhupada is saying here, a devotee must be, so the, the key to have that happen is that we have to be sincere. So what does sincerity mean to you? 
we say we're sincere. Or another place, um, Prabhupada writes that um, sincere and serious. Matter of fact, he said that 73 times in the in the folio of his. He used those two words exactly that those two words, those three words together sincere and serious. So what does sincerity mean? The opposite of being phony. You really mean it, okay? All right. What else? And how might it manifest? Yes. Uh, sincerity to me uh, means uh, eagerness to serve and free from duplicity. Okay, so the same, the, the, yeah. the uh, free from duplicity is similar, and then eagerness to serve. Right, uh, one time in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it talks about Rupa Goswami, and Prabhupada writes that because he was always eager to serve, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so what happened was uh, Rupa Goswami wrote this beautiful. <clears throat> verse um, which exemplified the mood of Lord Chaitanya in relationship to the Brijbasis, the Brajagopis. And Lord, and Lord Chaitanya said, how could he understand my mind? Right? And the devotees said, uh, well, you know, um, well, they had been blessed by, he had been blessed earlier by the devotees. Lord Chaitanya asked the devotees to bless him. So, and then in the purport, Prabhupada said he was also able to understand because he was always eager to serve. So these words, always, and then eager, and then serve. So that, that's not an easy task, right? Because eagerness uh, is the price that we pay for Krishna consciousness. So there's one beautiful verse that says, Tatra loyam apimulam ekalam, right? Loyam means? Greed, right? So, or eagerness, greed, right? And so, greed is the price that we pay, but not greed for you know uh, a, uh, a Lexus or something, but greed for Krishna's service. Other ideas about sincerity is what it means to you. Strongly wanting. Krishna. Strongly wanting. So again, eagerness. Strongly wanting Krishna. We could even say strongly wanting Krishna's pleasure. We don't exactly, yeah, that's actually more theologically correct. You know, we don't, because like Prabhupada would say that the, um, he would actually criticize sometimes that, oh, I have Krishna. Right? Whereas the uh, six Goswamis, they would say, hey, Rad, hey, Brajadevi, hey, Chalalite, hey, Nandasunokuta. Where is, they were, they were, yeah. So always wanting, what was the word used again? Wanting, strongly. wanting Krishna, so always wanting to please Krishna. Yeah. Then, because the devotee leaves it up to Krishna. If he appears before me, okay, if he doesn't appear before me, that's his mercy. You know, the, that the results are up to Krishna, but I want to please him. Very good, okay. So let's continue then with text number 18. Bless you. The great sage Maitreya continued, My dear Vidura, when Dhruva Maharaj, who had good intentions, there's that word, intentions, in his heart, finished his prayer, 
The Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead, who was very kind to his devotees and servants, congratulated him, speaking as follows. And it's also important that that saying, you know, the, 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 the path to hell is paved by what? Good intentions. So good intentions are necessary but not sufficient. Right? Because we do devotional service. A yogi uh, meditates on the Lord but doesn't do, is not in the mood of seva. Right? But we, are, we have our good intentions and then we, they, have to, they should manifest externally. Yeah. Microphone. Like, what, what's the strict definition of seva? Like, is it doing something without any expectation of return? They, well, okay, good. Yes, um, there can be uh, well, seva, and let's say, let's equate seva and bhakti for the terms of your question. And in that sense, we have in the scriptures um, a discussion of karma mishra bhakti, jnana mishra bhakti, right? So mishra, you, what does that mean? Mixed, right? So bhakti mixed with some still lingering impersonalism might be jnana. Excuse me. And karma mishra bhakti might be bhakti, but uh, still something's in it for me. The uh, example is in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita in verse 27. Krishna says, yat karosi, yat asnasi, yat jahosi, didasi, yat. He says, whatever you do, do it as an offering unto me. And the verse before that says, Patram pushpam palam toyam yome bhakti aprayachati. That if you offer me a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water with devotion, Krishna says, Asnami, I, I accept it. So these, these verses are juxtaposition 26 and 27. And also for a reason, that 26 is bhakti, pure bhakti, that you, Krishna says, Give me a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water. Okay, I do what Krishna says. And the word bhakti is mentioned twice in that verse. The next verse says that whatever, you're going to do this already, do it for me. So there's some, I'm going to do this first in that, which is not very bad. That verse Prabhupada would quote sometimes as a very exalted consciousness. But bhakti ultimately, um, but seva uh, ultimately is just for the pleasure of the other person. So that, So if we're not there yet, that's understandable. But we're trying to progress towards that. Right, um, and we get opportunities, right? Just like if you get the opportunity to wash Krishna's pots, that's a wonderful opportunity because it's really you know you can't be there's not much in there in it for you. Maybe you develop some muscles, you know, so, or maybe you maybe you think someone will notice you, <laughs> and oh, he's doing washing pots. He's so humble because <laughs> you can be proud of. And the mind is so tricky, right? The, the Prabhupada would quote that that the pauper is proud of his penny, right? So you can be, you can, we can be proud of anything, you know. We can be proud that my court is ironed, <laughs> you know. Anything, it's amazing how the, But uh, so, so the, the the wonderful thing is that by hearing these pure scriptures like the Bhagavatam and the Gita, we know what the standard is. And so, even if we're not up to that standard yet, we start catching ourselves. When we uh, when we fall short and try to correct ourselves, is that all right? Answer your question. Anything else? Okay, let's continue then. Text twenty and twenty one. The supreme personality of God had continued. So the Lord is continuing, my dear Druva. 
Aish, now listen, this is what he gives him as an award because he had previously, when he wasn't a pure devotee, had asked for this. Did I miss one? My dear, oh, did I? Sorry. My dear Dhruva, oh, son of the king, you have executed pious vows, and I also know the desire within your heart. Although your desire is very ambitious and very difficult to fulfill, I shall favor you with its fulfillment. All good fortune unto you. So this is the problem. He, like, Juba's kind of like, no, no, wait, wait. No, I don't want it anymore. No, 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 you're going to get it. <laughs> you asked for it, right? You ever heard that's an English saying, right? You asked for it, right? So now, my dear Juba, I shall award you the glowing planet known as the Pole Star, which will continue to exist after the dissolution at the end of the millennium. No one has ever ruled this planet, which is surrounded by all the solar systems, planets, and stars. All the luminaries in the sky circumambulate the planet, just as bulls tread around a central pole for the purpose of crushing grains. Keeping the pole star to their right, <coughs> all the stars inhabited by the great sages like Dharma, Agni, Kasyapa, and Sukra <coughs> circumambulate this planet which continues to exist after the dissolution of all others. After your father goes to the forest and awards you the rule of his kingdom, you will rule continuously the entire world for 36,000 years. He said, no, I don't want to, no, no, 36,000 years. And all your senses will continue to be as strong as they are now. You will never become old. <laughs> so these are all things that a person who wants material enjoyment will go, wonderful. Right. Of course, there's a there is a uh, problem with not becoming old. Yeah. What is that problem? All of our friends and relatives are gone. Yep. All of our you know friends and relatives are uh, will die and uh, and we're still around. <clears throat> yeah. There was a movie called the The Green Mile, which gave this example actually. I kind of got. I don't know if he's eternal, but lived in his soul, everyone passing away. Yeah. The Lord continued, sometime in the future, your brother. So he, you know, at this, when he was five years old, <clears throat> he was upset with his brother and upset with his, his stepmom. Now look what happens. Uh, your brother Utam will go hunting in the forest, and while absorbed in hunting, he will be killed. Your stepmother, Suruchi, being maddened upon the death of her son, will go to the search, for, search him in the forest, but she will be devoured by a forest fire. Um, it's not that Krishna wants these things. That, you know, these are pastimes, and also these people are, were not their bodies and are benefited by being connected with someone like Dhruva. But Prabhupada writes in the purport, from this we should take the lesson that we should never try to insult a Vaishnava. Not only should we not insult a Vaishnava, but we should not insult anyone unnecessarily. So sometimes there may be some necessity to criticize someone, right? Um, I think I told you, right, when I uh, living in Vrindavan, and uh, I always found that if you needed to chastise a Brijbasi, right, let's say, you know, the rickshaw walla wanted twice as much as, you know, you had agreed to, or, or the, uh, the, the, cloth, the cloth merchant was charging too much or gave you poor quality, you had to always do it with a smile on your face. And then they wouldn't get it. you say, you're... You're such a cheater, you pucka chore. And you say it with a smile, and then no problem. But if you say it seriously, they get very offended. <laughs> so, unnecessarily, yeah. 
and then, then uh, when one serves a Vaishnav unknowingly, one still gets the good result. And if one unknowingly insults a Vaishnava, one suffers the bad result. A Vaishnava is especially favored by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Pleasing him or displeasing him directly affects the pleasure and displeasure of the Supreme Lord. So this is a real secret uh, in, in spiritual life, right? Because, you know, what can we offer Krishna? He already owns everything, right? What can we offer him in one sense, right? But he has so connected, you know, that we've, we've, I know we've told this five times or some people may not have heard it, right? Um, but it's just, it, it, a lot of Prabhupada's analogies are wonderful in their simplicity, right? That if you go up to a rich man who's with his son and you offer him, what can you offer him? Even if you offered him a Mercedes, he probably has three of them. Or he has a, you know, a Maserati instead. <clears throat> right, but if you take a one rupee, or I don't know, maybe it's two rupees these days, <clears throat> or a ten cent sweet, and give it to his son, and his son is pleased. Oh, thank you so much! Right, and is so happy getting that sweet. Um, these days, it's of course uh, sugar-free with agave syrup instead of sugar. <laughs> uh, then, then the 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 rich man is so pleased with you. Because right? you pleased someone that he loves. So it's a similar thing with Krishna. So that's actually the secret, that the, the pleasing or displeasing of a Vaishnava is connected with the pleasing or displeasing of Krishna. So therefore, it's, it's, uh, it's a great... Um, to be part of being always eager to serve is being always eager to serve devotees. And it doesn't mean just the great... Vaishnavas, sannyasis, and senior devotees, that's there. But all, everyone in this room, if you get an opportunity to serve them, it's a great way to please Krishna. As Jesus said, right, the way you treat the least of me is the way you treat me, right? So, like that. <clears throat> um, Prabhupada, uh, oh no, it's 23, yeah. Um, Prabhupada writes that for spiritual advancement, the easiest path is to take shelter of a bona fide spiritual master and serve him with heart and soul. That is the secret of success. So that's the secret is to please uh, devotees. Because they're, 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 in Sanskrit, it's called tadiya. Um, how would you translate tadiya? Or jiva or matsya? Tadiya means um, in relationship with, right? Like Krishna's flute is in relationship with Krishna. So especially, so that's also called Tadiya. Uh, Tosi Devi is called Tadiya in relationship with Krishna and the devotees. Yeah. So um, that's the secret. It's, it's an open secret. We just talked about it for five minutes. <laughs> It's not really a secret, I guess. Some thoughts? Yes. Uh, in this instance, Dhruva Maharaj was not yet a devotee. He was not a Vaishnava yet. Uh, when he was insulted by his stepmother. Because he later on went on to become a Vaishnava. So how do we understand that? Um, 
he might not have been a pure Vaishnava, right? Um, but it, it actually just goes to show the point, right? That we don't want to just please Prabhupada or just please, you know, our uh, Diksha Guru. But <laughs> if this can happen to a mixed devotee, then what to speak of us, you know? And the other thing is, you don't really, we were, to, I was talking about this with my son just a few minutes before the class, you don't really know, right? I think we already tried this before, but Henry is a very intelligent person, super intelligent. And he's been uh, practicing Krishna consciousness probably the most of anyone in this room. And so, Henry, tell me who's the most advanced one, uh, in, you know, just could you just uh, list, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's 15 people here. From one to 15, who's the most uh, dear to Krishna in this room? Like that, you see, he's got the right answer. <laughs> yeah, I told you he's intelligent. We don't know, because we don't know, we don't know that's the answer. We don't know people's hearts, right? Uh, and therefore, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, don't offend anyone. <laughs> that's what, then you're safe. And not only don't, don't offend anyone, but to serve others. Then you create a community atmosphere, you know, and that's that. That extends the the husband serves the wife, the wife serves the husband, the parents serve the children. They don't serve them necessarily by going, "My dear three-year-old, what do you want?" No, you might serve them by, uh, you know, making sure they don't get into trouble or something. But it's still service. Yes. Yeah, if we're all unique, then would there necessarily be like a most advanced? What's that? If we're all unique then why would they be like the most advanced? Okay, so it's just like, um, um, have you ever run a marathon? Or you've seen a running race, right? So uh, they're all runners, but some are ahead of others. So yes, we're all eternal servants of Krishna. And there's a path between um, you know, where we are and Krishna's lotus feet. And different people are at different stages along that path. But um, if you have a green mango, what do you have to do? If you have a, a ripe mango and a green mango, they're both mangoes, right? And the other thing is that the green mango will become a ripe mango one day. So therefore, we don't want to criticize people for being green mangoes. Or another example is, uh, you know, you see a devotee who may not be so pure, and you point out all well, their defects. And it's kind of like, you know, um, if someone is, uh, is about to take a shower and you say, you're so dirty. Yeah, but I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> right? So they're in, the pro- or they're in the process of taking a shower. So um, we're becoming clean and, and the green mangoes in time will become ripe mangoes by the mercy of Guru and Krishna. Is that all right? I will not make anyone hungry by talking about mangoes. Yeah. What are the ones in Bombay? Alfonso, is that what they're called? Those are, I don't, I don't, they don't come from Bombay, I'm sure, but that's where I always get them in Bombay. From Andhra, really? Why would I always, I always got them in Mumbai and then took them on the train to Brindavan. Andhra is one of the largest producers of mangoes. Achha. okay. Yeah, these are the best, right? Best mangoes, and yeah. So I would take them and give them to the, to deities in Vrindavan. Now I'm really getting everyone hungry. 
Okay, text 24. The Lord continued, I am the heart of all sacrifices. You will be able to perform many great sacrifices and also give great charities. In this way, you will be able to enjoy the blessings of material happiness in this life. And at the time of death, you will be able to remember me. So this is what we, this, let's, let's be honest. This is what, if we, had our, if we had our choice, this is what we would want. Total material enjoyment and total spiritual perfection. <laughs> but it's not the general way that Krishna deals with us. <laughs> in the purport, right at the end, Prabhupada writes, In this age, distribution of prashad has replaced distribution of money. Because sometimes in, in sacrifices you'd give away wealth. No one has sufficient money to distribute, but if we distribute Krishna Prasad as far as possible, this is more valuable than the distribution of money. So I, I always do that when I'm in India. Um, and, you know, in, in many of the cities, in the stoplights, there are um, people begging, right? And usually there's someone behind the scenes taking their money. They don't get to just keep the money, right? So what I always do is whenever I, uh, I would always bring prasadam with me. And I give them prasadam because I know they'll be spiritually benefited. By, and they're not going to give that prasadam to whoever their boss is. Right? So I uh, always uh, take prasadam with me, especially in India. In America, not, not everyone would necessarily know what a rascula is or whatever. <laughs> but uh, in India, it was, and they always, they, I've found people always like really bright face. And, Got another one? You know. <laughs> um, Prabhupada, uh, so a devotee asked Prabhupada, when we're chanting on the street and people walk by and hear us chant, or we give them prasadam, or they give a small donation, to what extent is the benefit that they receive? Prabhupada writes, the benefit, just like the bank sometimes gives you a box, whatever little money you save, put it in this. And when it is filled up, it becomes a big amount. Similarly, these people, abodha jatta, rascals, if they have a little appreciation, oh, these people are nice, that is one asset. That is called agyata sukriti, accumulation of the results of pious activities. And when one is fully pious at that time, one can understand what is God. So we are helping them by and by to advance in the matter of understanding God. That is our propaganda. So they're making little deposits in their spiritual bank account by taking prasadam. So prasadam is uh, is uh, uh, what is it? Prabhupada, what did he say? Prasadam. Books are the basis, and prasadam is our weapon, or something like that. Anyway, prasadam is uh, even sometimes he would. I remember one time he was in a bit of a discussion with some people who just weren't getting it. So he just said, give prasad. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, and prasadam is such an amazing thing, right? Because devotees, when they're cooking for the Lord, um, they don't do this, right? We never test it to see if there's enough salt or to see if, you know, because it first has to be offered for Krishna's pleasure. But somehow or other, almost all the time, it comes out great, right? Even without... Uh, you know, uh, it's really interesting. The first, when Prabhupada first did some cooking with Jamuna, and she, you know, she, no one, it was 1966, and she didn't know anything about Krishna consciousness, nothing. And Prabhupada said, I'm going to teach you to cook. And every time she would do something like touch her hair, he said, wash hands, you know. <laughs> and he definitely wouldn't let her, you know. <laughs> and she became 
Well, Henry knows, one of the greatest cooks. So any thoughts on prasadam? Yes, Jiva? Hare Krishna. So this year we happened to have gone to Bhopal after many years. Uh, to Bhopal? Bhopal, yeah, mm-hmm. in MP. I've been there. And they are building a new temple. Achha. They have DTs and they're arranging. So we visited there. And Is that the where first, you're from? Yes, I was born and brought up there. Okay. And we visited in the temporary location. So they're planning to move and get this temple built and completed when they move the DTs over there. Uh, and it was interesting. The president is a young brahmachari, and the first thing he handed out was bullets, Krishna's bullets. Those lentils. He means prasadam, by the, <laughs> the way, prasadam, not real yeah. yes. <laughs> What we call Krishna bullets are the prasadam. You know, gulab those, those gulab yeah. jamuns, yeah. yes, the white ones as well. And uh, he was saying, this is what we give out, and we are getting more and more congregation. The congregation is really increasing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing to see, like, you know, at uh, 4.30 or so, the Mangalati, the hall was more than half full, and a lot of folks were there. Wonderful. Coming from different places, neighborhood, and so forth. I used to go to Bhopal. There's a judicial academy there. And I, used, I worked with the Supreme Court there in India, so we would go to uh, train judges in Bhopal. Unfortunately, Bhopal is also famous for Union Carbide. <laughs> but, uh, Hare Krishna. Yes, Prashadam, there's a nice story, uh, I mean, not story, true, uh, a devotee named Jayananda Prabhu, a very senior disciple of Prabhupada's. I won't tell the whole story, but um, they were trying to get a permit for Rathiatra in Los Angeles, uh, which now they have every year uh, in Venice Beach. So, um, there was one person on the uh, city council who really didn't like the devotees and didn't want to. Uh... So Jayananda would uh, meet with her and bring her a cake every time he met her. And she was really against the against, but, he would, but she would accept the cake every time. And, uh, and he kept on every, you know, bringing her cakes. And he had uh, he 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 caught he got leukemia and he passed away. And so the next year, when they were going to uh, to get the permit, uh, another devotee named Pragosh Prabhu went to get the permit. And uh, she, so this woman said, "Where's Jim?" He uses regular name. Where's Jim? And he explained what happened. And she just started crying and crying. No, not Jim. He's the nicest person ever. And prasadam just, you know, melted her heart. So prasadam distribution is uh, is important. Okay, let's continue then. And we should distribute prasadam to ourselves. Meaning that ideally, um, a strict Vaishnava only eats prasad. Which means, not necessarily that you have to come to the temple every day, but that that before you when you prepare something at home before you eat it, you offer it to a picture of Krishna or, or a picture, you know, depending on what level you're at, there's mantras to chant. Otherwise, you can chant the Hare Krishna mantra. But, you know, but the idea of first offering food before, and then, of course, that would mean being a pukka vegetarian because you don't want to offer Krishna a hamburger or something like that. Krishna eats vegetarian food. And we even avoid mushrooms and... Garlic and onions. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, when my wife and I got married in Ireland and uh, the devotees cooked our wedding cake and my mother-in-law could not believe 
that she absolutely could not believe the cake was made without eggs. <laughs> and so she was famous for saying, you know, because we don't eat animals, she said, it's eggless and legless. <laughs> I thought, so... <laughs> And when I, whenever, when I would go, whenever I would go to the, uh, the court in India, I would always stop at the temple in Delhi and get the uh, ladus. And so all the judges would say, where's my ladu? Right? They were all like totally addicted to these ladus. You know, and I would always bring, uh, the temple always supplied ladus for the, uh, for the judges. And, and of course the admin staff and everybody. <laughs> Text 25. The Supreme Personality, the personality of God, continued. My dear Druva, after your material life in this body, you will go to my planet, which is, always, which is always offered obeisances by the residents of all other planetary systems. It is situated above the planet of the seven rishis, and having gone there, you will never have to come back to this material world. What a benediction. The great sage Maitreya said, so remember, this is a conversation within a conversation within a conversation. So Maitreya is telling Vidura this, past, this story. Not story, this pastime. The great sage Maitreya said, after being worshipped and honored by the boy, Dhruva Maharaj, and after offering him his abode, Lord Vishnu on the back of Garuda returned to his abode as Dhruva Maharaj looked on. Despite having achieved the desired result of his determination by worshipping the lotus feet of the Lord, Dhruva Maharaj was not very pleased. Thus he returned to his home. Vidura inquired, My dear Brahmana, the boat of the Lord is very difficult to attain. It can be attained only by pure devotional service, which alone pleases the most affectionate, merciful Lord. Dhruva Maharaj has achieved this position even in one life. And he was very wise and contentious. Why then was he not very pleased? Good question, right? He got everything. You could just imagine everything. He could have a, a fleet of Teslas, <laughs> one for every day of the year. <laughs> you know, he had unlimited wealth. Why wasn't he pleased? Maitreya answered, Dhruva Maharaj's heart which was pierced by the arrows of the harsh words of his stepmother, was greatly aggrieved. And thus, when he fixed upon his goal of life, he did not forget his mis her misbehavior. He did not demand actual liberation from this material world. But at the end of his devotional service, when the Supreme Personality of God appeared before him, he was simply ashamed of the material demands he had in his mind. Right? We talked about this last week, right? People, we sometimes have demands, right? right? People go to um, Tirupati and they make a deal with Balaji, right? I have this business. If, if this deal goes through and I make 20 crores, I promise to give you one crore. A crore is what about nowadays it's less, but a hundred and something thousand dollars, right? Used to be more, a lot more. In the purport, Prabhupada writes, a pure devotee, this answers your question, sort of, a pure devotee has no demand from the Lord. He only, his only concern is to serve the Lord sincerely and seriously. There are those two words. And he is not at all concerned about what will happen in the future. So this is a very important point. Now, now that doesn't mean we don't plan for the future. Right? It doesn't mean you don't have a 401k or, or you know, uh, 
you know, set aside money for your children's education or whatever that, but, but the worry about, oh, what's going to happen? Oh my God, you know, there's a, you know, no, Krishna will take care. Anukul yasya sankalpa pratikul yashtabharjanam rakshishatiti. What does raksha mean? Protector. Krishna is my raksha, he's my protector. Rakshishatiti vishvaso, having strong faith in that. And gotripve varanamtata, that Krishna maintains me. Not my, my paycheck may be the, inter, the intermediary, but where does the money come from the paycheck? Well, it came from the company. Where did the, com- you know, where did the, I, where did the intelligence to start the company come from? Right. <clears throat> so, this is, this, so this can be incredibly liberating feeling. Again, it doesn't mean we don't make conscious plans but that that but have you ever had a difference? Have you ever noticed a difference between making a conscious? You know, okay, let's sit down and talk about, you know, our next trip to India. Okay, and you make a plan, and that's fine. That compared to that 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 worrying that the mind comes up with. Oh my God, what about this? What about that? Is it going to rain? Right? You notice there's quite a difference between those two things. Right? One is you know, conscious, sane. And then the other one's not very um, logical. It's very, it can be very emotional. And worrying about this, worrying about that. Right? You know, oh, President Trump uh, wants to uh, drain the swamp. I'm a federal employee. Oh, my God. I might, uh, I might be put on a furlough. How am I going to pay my rent? We're going to be out on the street. I'm going to be on the, the, the corner of uh, River and... Uh, um, the Falls Road begging, you know, <laughs> and all after you read one article about straining the swamp, but the mind, and the way it goes. <laughs> right? So that might be, that's a bit of an exaggeration, maybe that one, but you know, we do sometimes. So here it says that uh, one doesn't need to be that concerned about the future because one has that vishvaso, that faith that Krishna is my maintainer and Krishna is my protector. Some thoughts on that? Okay, then the next the purport goes on. Uh, this is a few paragraphs down. When Dhruv Maharaj became situated on the Vasudeva the Vasude platform, uh, the spiritual platform, due to seeing the Lord face to face, all his material contamination was cleared. Thus he became ashamed of what his demands were and what he had achieved. Has anyone here ever been ashamed of something? You did? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting emotion, isn't it? You can't take it back. Right? Um, you can sometimes fix it. Sometimes. Not always. Right? Here, it didn't seem like there was any fix. He was going to get this longevity, and these things were going to happen to some of his relatives, and he was going to get that planet, you know, he was very much ashamed to think that although he had gone to Madhuvan, giving up the kingdom of his father, and he had gotten a spiritual master like the great like Narada Muni, he was still thinking of revenge against his stepmother and wanted to occupy an exalted post within this material world. These were the causes of his moroseness, even after he received all the desired benedictions from the Lord. When Dhruv Maharaj factually saw the Supreme Personality of God, there was no question 
of a revengeful attitude towards his stepmother, nor any aspiration to, the, to lord it over the material world. But the personality, supreme personality of God had so kind that he knew that Juv Maharaj had wanted these things, at least wanted these things previously. So, so yeah, when we become uh, even a little Christian conscious, we start thinking, oh, geez, you know, I wanted revenge, or I didn't like that person, I didn't, you know, you know, it's like, no, there are parts and parcels of Krishna, and you see from a different uh, perspective, that's what the Shastra gets us to do. So, it's not easy, but we should try to act in such a way in our life that we won't be ashamed of something that we said or done. But that's not, you know, that's probably not going to happen 100% of the time. Because <laughs> even like in that, in that uh, the example of the race, when we get really close to the finish line and we start thinking of what our consciousness was like when we were a neophyte, we think, oh, jeez, oh my God. So a little ashamedness, if there's such a word, uh, is, is fine. Um, especially if it leads not to the mode of ignorance and just like, I can't do anything because I'm so ashamed. But it, it leads to enthusiastically trying to improve. Some thoughts on that? Or are you ashamed to raise your hand? <laughs> We're good? Yes, microphone. As you are mentioning, shame is a, is a negative energy. So, uh, yeah, at, at some point of time we might feel regret and we might re repent that, but the consciousness should be moving towards rectifying and reinstating to our original thinking rather than wallowing in that uh, shame and guilt. Right, right. Yes, because it's usually shame is born out of one of the modes of material nature. Um, but like anything in this world, we can use it in Krishna's service. So yes, what a sh you know, um, I was going to read this uh, for verse 31, but I can read it now. This, so the, um, I guess you could call this shame. Well, shame, well, let's see. Let's define shame. A painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And it's true that, you know, in my work, in my day job, uh, if somebody feels humiliated, that's almost, I've never seen any emotion that will push someone to act in a really bad way than when they perceive that they've been humiliated. It really brings out the absolute worst in someone. But let's see if it can also be dovetailed or used in Krishna's service. So here's, um, I won't sing the song because I'm a terrible singer, but um, there's a song by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his picture's around the corner there, we can't, I can't see it, but it's there, um, uh, called Gopinath. And I'll just read a few, one part of that. Um, so he says, um, and this is coming not from a material, he's a great, great devotee. He says, O Gopinath, Lord of the Gopis, 
Please hear my request. I am a wicked materialist, always addicted to worldly desires, and no good qualities do I possess. O Gopinath, you are my only hope, and therefore I have taken shelter at your lotus feet. I am now your eternal servant. So you take that shame and you say, oh, I've done so many mistakes. Okay, I just have to take shelter of Krishna. So that would be using it in a positive way. O Gopinath, how will you purify me? I do not know what devotion is, and my materialistic mind is absorbed in selfless thought. I have fallen into this dark and perilous worldly existence. O Gopinath, everything here is your illusory energy, maya. I have no strength or transcendental knowledge, and the body of mine is not independent and free from the control of material nature. O Gopinath, this sinner who is weeping and weeping begs for an eternal place at your divine feet. Please give me your mercy. So that's an interesting juxtaposition. He's calling himself a sinner, but then he says, please give me shelter under your lotus feet. He's not saying, I'm a sinner, therefore I'm just useless. I'm going to go to sleep. Right? No. He says, I'm a sinner. Uh, o Gopinath, you were able to do anything, and therefore you have the power to deliver all sinners. Who is there who is more of a sinner than myself? O Gopinath, you are the ocean of mercy. Having come into this phenomenal world, you expand your divine pastimes for the sake of all fallen souls. O Gopinath, I am so sinful that although all the demons attain your lotus feet, Bhaktivinoda has remained in worldly existence. So it can be used, it can be directed in a healthy way, but it's not easy. And it can really be an unhealthy emotion. Other thoughts? Yep. Andy? Uh, I don't understand exactly how we got the shame from Dhruva. Because if he was that advanced and overcome his mind and his body and everything, all his thoughts are intentional. How could he have shame? Well, he was ashamed is the actual word, right? But he was ashamed of what he thought what he did when he wasn't so pure. It's just hard for me to understand that. If he's that advanced, he can't be influenced by, some, by a, an emotion like that. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Okay, so, but did you hear the prayer that we just read? Obviously you heard it. <laughs> I didn't mean to question that. Um, but it's part of a advanced devotee's mood um, spiritual lamentation it actually in, a, in an advanced devotee it brings out bhava the, the emotions of love um, and it's humility it, of course we don't, we're not there yet but humility is uh, one of the realizations that an advanced devotee gets it goes very deep into the psyche and so these are, the, what we just read this poem or Dhruva Maharaj, these are actually expressions of their bhakti, not like uh, blocking their bhakti or, or, or a symptom of not having bhakti. Um, when Prabhupada was um, on the uh, Jaladutta, right? I, don't, I, I could find it, but um, he wrote a prayer that was full, again full of this humility, and he signed it. What, the, what your most insignificant beggar, mm -hmm. right? He said, "I." He said, "I have no devotion, nor do I uh, have any attraction to the cause of devotion, devotional service. 
Um, and then he says, but I have full faith in your holy name, <laughs> which is, you know, an interesting type because obviously. So it, it's, it's an it's a expression of bhakti. And I think you find it in other traditions. I think St. Francis, for example, would often, you know, um, in, so, it, so that, does that make sense? Well, so you're saying it's like a transcendental kind of? Yeah, very much so. Oh, okay, on that level, he's, yeah. he's ashamed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I heard somewhere like uh, shame and guilt, uh, it's okay in small doses. Yes, that's, I think that's a good one. Yeah. As, like, as a, on the practical level, yes. Right, it's like a fuse in an electrical system. It like sacrifices itself, but it saves the bigger That's nice. Bigger circuit. That's like... Excuse me, that's nice, and I think we talked about that last week because the what sometimes we see, and I, I kind of said it already, is you feel guilt or shame, <coughs> and you just wallow in it, and and it just it's it's a mode of ignorance basically kind of taking over, as opposed to, gosh, I really blew it. I better take more shelter of Krishna. It's like uh, what did that? What there was a one uh, um, Catholic. Uh, uh, Orthodox prayer that uh, the person said, I have so much to do today, I better spend another hour praying. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so that's a positive thing. But you're right, and, and, and I've seen it with devotees sometimes, we can get, Maya can trick us into that, thinking that though the repentance is a good thing, but if we just what do you say, small doses? It's a nice way to put it. If we do it in small doses, it's fine. But if we let it be our whole consciousness, at least where we're at, it's problematic. Jiva Taprabhu? Hare Krishna. So this is a reflection of the humility which Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he says that, amanina manadena. So not expecting any respect, but then before he also says, you know, be more humbler than the grass. So they look at a small fault of theirs, which may not be a fault, but they magnify it so much to stay humble. So again, yeah. Yudhishthira Maharaj, when he was asked, you know, find out who's, you know, the most fallen versus uh, Duryodhana has to find out who's the most elevated. They came back, you know, saying, you know, Yudhishthira Maharaj said, there's no more, more fallen than me. And Duryodhana said, no one is better than me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Yes. Anything else? Okay, carry on. Uh, text 30, right? Jumaraj thought to himself, to endeavor to be situated in the shade of the lotus of the Lord is not an ordinary task, because even the great brahmacharis headed by Sanandana, thank you, who practiced Ashtanga Yoga in trance, attained the shelter of the Lord's lotus feet only after many, many births. Within six months... I have achieved the same result. Yet, due to my thinking differently from the Lord, I fell down from my position. Alas, just look at me. I am so unfortunate. I approach the lotus feet of the personality of Supreme Personality of Godhead, who can immediately cut the chain of the repetition of birth and death, and still out of my foolishness, I prayed for things which are perishable. And in the end of the purport, the last sentence, Prabhupada writes... In other words, every one of us who is engaged in devotional service in Krishna consciousness 
should be completely free from material aspirations. Otherwise, we will have to lament like Truva Maharaj. So that's just a little admonition there. <laughs> hmm. Text 32. Since all the demigods who are situated in the higher planetary systems will have to come down again, they are all envious of my being elevated to Vaikuntaloka by devotional service. These intolerant demigods have dissipated my intelligence, and only for this reason could I not accept the genuine benedictions of the instructions of the sage Narada. So if you just read that, you think, well, he's not that advanced, right? Right? Because we know, right, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to take responsibility, we're not supposed to blame others, right? He did it to me, it's all because of his fault, right? That, that famous saying, don't be upset at the agents of your karma, Right? So if you just take this and don't read the rest of the chapter, you might think, ah, oh, he's not such a, you know. But you have to keep reading. <laughs> Dhruva Maharaj lamented, I was under the influence of the illusory energy. Being ignorant of the actual facts, I was sleeping on her lap, under the lap of illusion. Under a vision of duality, I saw my brother as my enemy, and falsely I lamented within my heart thinking they are my enemies. It is difficult to satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but in my case, although I have satisfied the super soul of the whole universe, I have prayed only for useless things. My activities were exactly like treatment given to a person who is already dead. Just see how unfortunate I am, for in spite of meeting the Supreme Lord who can cut one's link with birth and death, I have prayed for the same conditions again. So, now he's taking responsibility again, right? Yeah. He got the boon that like he's not going to get his rebirth again. Okay. Right. At the moment of he, he the Supreme Lord had his given him complete uh, thing that like you're going to lead a very good life and at the end of your death you're going to be... Uh, Go to the uh, pole star and all that, yes. So why he need to lament all those things? Because he needs, <laughs> he's going to go back to Godhead. Well, yeah, but his mother and his... But his stepmother and his son and, and his brother were killed. And he has to live 36,000 years with the material body. Yeah. If he had lamented for that, that makes sense. But like, that's he what got he's the like, boon. Well, that's one of the things he was lamenting. And he's also lamenting that, you know, I... I uh, I asked for things other than just Krishna. Yeah, he's saying I prayed for useless things. That's just hindsight. But, but he'd been taught like that, like his mother had said how to worship, and like Narada Muni had guided him what to ask, and then it's all part of the process. He, he's six years old. And at his age, he attained such a great salvation. Yeah. And uh, he been guided from well. Uh, you know, Narada Muni is a great acharya. He had taught so many people, like Valmiki and other people. So, you know, he just followed his guru's instruction, and his mother's and guru's instruction. Then, like he should be for you know. Well, actually, it, at first it, he rejected his guru's instruction. Right. <laughs> no, that's not. Give me something else. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, right. If you remember, Narada first, uh, said, you know, said other instructions, and he said, "No, that's not going to work." You cannot help me, Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, pure devotees are people. <laughs> They're not machines. Uh, just like in the first canto, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but so Yudhisthira Maharaj, I've told, I've told this before, spoke about this before, so the, the battle of Kurukshetra is over, and so many people have killed, died, and, but anyway, he's established as a king, and things are brought back to a peaceful place, right? And he kind of like, in, in modern days time, he kind of went, <sighs> and Prabhupada writes in the purport that uh, although he's a pure devotee, you know, he had this very human emotion of just like, ah, oh, of relief that it's finally over with, right? So, so pure devotees are not free, they're not, you know, uh, machines that you just wind up and go, how do you get out of You know, they're people that you have that have relationships. So we can't stop Dhruva Maharaj from feeling this mood of lamentation. <laughs> it's, he, you know, he, yeah, you know, we, we're trying to project our consciousness onto someone who has developed their love for Krishna. But I think we've all had experience of uh, doing some really dumb things in our life. And then when, we're, when our consciousness is clear, we think, oh, dang. Why did I? Oh, it's so embarrassing. Right? What will people think? What do people, and, and, and people will still remember me for when I was like that. <laughs> you know? Right? Um, we don't know what happened and didn't happen. I'm certainly not going to get into it, but this person who may become a Supreme Court judge, I'm sure whatever he did or didn't do, he really wished he hadn't done. <laughs> right? And now it's really coming back to haunt him in a big way. I bet you he wishes, oh man, for that, that, that one time I was drunk or whatever, I, oh, I wish I hadn't gone to that party. <laughs> you know, I wish I had, you know, I bet you he really, really is lamenting if whatever he did or didn't, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But you get the, the idea. Right. Um, yeah. You wanted to add something? Yeah, basically, like uh, such a boon, he can serve the Supreme Lord for that many number of years, optimistically thinking. Yeah. You know, he can serve him, and then basically, like I have seen, like senior devotees, uh, that like when they have sickness, uh, when they go and try to get their treatment in such a mood that like they can serve more like on the Lord by, you know, yes. you know, that is the mood that like even the senior devotees, you know, that mood like if he had got such a boon, no, I'm, not, I'm just trying to be a devil's advocate here. <laughs> no, I'm trying You're to You're not understand. advocating well for the <laughs> devil. <laughs> so uh, those my thoughts like, you know. Yeah, well, those, might, they, they may, those thoughts might also be in his head, but they didn't make it on the pages of the Bhagavatam. <laughs> Um, Maitreya didn't choose to express those to Vidura or Sukadev. Yeah, yeah, the 13th canto maybe. But um, these are very instructive also. That, see, that's the other thing. The Bhagavatam is on so many different levels. And so one is instructions to us. Don't ask Krishna for you know, broken glass when he can give you a diamond. And, and, you know, remember we talked about this, that if someone goes up to Radha Madan Mohan and says, please let my son get into the best college and, you know, uh, and, you know, could, could you 
help me pay off this mortgage and you know things like that's better than not praying to God right because at least you're accepting that there's a controller and beyond ourselves right so that's that's fine that's called sukritina so there's and and to to your question also there's there's these different mishras of bhakti but here we're hearing it's such a it's so instructive to us this is something we can relate to right i did i ha, i asked krishna for so many things but really now i, I you know it was such a mis- it's a mistake to do that we're trying this is an instruction to help us make advancement to not ask radhamadan mohan for you know material boons but to ask them please let me serve you so that we don't end up lamenting like Dhruva Maharaj lamented but he's also a compassionate Vaishnava he didn't want to see these things happen to his stepmother and we see that in a few verses later on I don't know if we'll get to it today but even Suniti his mom was uh, was very kind to Suruchi right uh, when, when Dhruva return, we'll read about it later but when Dhruva returns to the kingdom she says, come on, come on, Saruchi, come with me. And they both go together to greet Druva. She didn't say, oh, man, you had, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> you know, right? So it also shows, uh, so there's so many different, uh, there's so many wonderful uh, instructions here. Yep, one second. I have a question, Prabhu. So, other than uh, chanting um, for praying for uh, service or praying uh, or chanting the glories, if we pray for anything else uh, or for other devotees or the family member, is that asking praying for material? It's natural. Answer? It's not, you know. Um, even in one place, Prabhupada writes that Krihastas sometimes have to pray to Krishna for material things. He mentions that in one place. Um, and certainly we pray for the, you know, the welfare of others. But the way Srila Prabhupada taught us to pray was very interesting. When he was sick, he was a very specific instruction. He said, my dear Lord, if you so desire, please let Srila Prabhupada stay with us longer or whatever. But they added that if you so desire, right? Because if Krishna, what if Krishna has other plans for your mother or father or sister or brother, right? So there, so therefore, it, it helps, right? Otherwise, Krishna gets confused. Oh, let's see, I'm supposed to please Ananta Rupa, but at the same time, I have some service for this person in Vaikuntha. So what? Should... <laughs> right. So that if you so desire is part of uh, bhakti, if you so desire. Just like Srila Bhakti Sananta Sarasati Thakur, Prabhupada's spiritual master, um, he would always say, um, so are, are you coming to uh, Calcutta tomorrow? Yes, Krishna willing. And it always added Krishna willing to his sentences about the future. Because, you know, we, you know, man proposes and God disposes, and we may plan to go someplace and then get a flat tire or whatever, right? I always think like that, you know. I always think like, oh, if I got a flat tire or, or you know, got caught up in travel, this might be for a reason, you know. Maybe I'm avoiding something really bad by having to fix this flat tire now. <laughs> you, know? you know, who knows? But, 
what the what the plan of the Lord is. Should we read a little more? Okay. Text thirty five. Because of my state of complete foolishness and plosity, what does plosity mean? Lack. Yeah. Of pious activities. Although the Lord offered me his personal service, I wanted material name, fame, and prosperity. What is it? Name, fame, and glory? The same old story? <laughs> My case is just like that of a poor man who, when he is satisfied, when he satisfied a great emperor who wanted to give him anything he might ask, out of ignorance, asked for a few broken grains of husked rice. It's like the uh, prophet tells the story of a, a woman who's you know, carrying, you know, like they do in the villages, carrying a lot of uh, branches on their head, and the branches fall down. And, and, and she can't by herself put them back on her head, you know, and praying to God and praying to God. And God shows up and says, whatever, I'll give you whatever you want. And she says, please put the branches back on my head. <laughs> In the purport uh, to 35, uh, Prabhupada writes, the independence uh, the conditioned soul does not mean to fight with the obstacles offered by Maya. This is an important point. But to surrender to Krishna. In the material world, everyone is trying to become completely independent simply by fighting against the obstacles offered by Maya. This is called the struggle for existence. Real independence is to be, to be reinstated in the service of the Lord. So, the point being here that, or at least what I'm, what I'm getting from these two sentences, is the, is the emphasis on the positive. Yes, we should, we should be aware of what maya is, illusion, and avoid maya, but the strength, there's a difference between intellectually making a distinction between illusion and reality, between spirituality and, maya, and illusion. But the strength to choose the spirituality and not choose the illusion, um, that comes from a power greater than us. It comes from a power greater than us. So this, uh, um, this is the mood of a devotee. It's, it's, it's an active, proactive dependence on the Lord. It's not this kind of like just, you know, whatever happens. You know. No, actively, proactively um, dependent on Krishna. Um, and so that positive, you know, is more of the two, rejecting the negative and focusing on the positive. Focusing on the positive is the uh, more, more powerful. And remembering that, you know, really uh, we, um, we're dependent on Krishna's mercy and Krishna's help. And then the end of the purport, Prabhupada writes, Pure devotees of the Lord, only, uh, pure devotees ask the Lord only for the privilege of serving Him. This is our real independence. If we want anything else, it is a sign of our misfortune. Jai Sisi Gornitai. So this is a. So this again is on the higher level now. If we ask Krishna for anything other than to love him and serve him, that's our misfortune. <laughs>
So this is, uh, you know, pure bhakti. It's an advanced stage, isn't it? To just, just to live a life that just wants to please the Lord. But it's nice. The, the, the interesting thing about it is, you know, we kind of like, we want it, but yeah, but no, but no. Uh, you know, but when we actually uh, do, to the extent we can just say, you know, Krishna, I'm yours, to that extent, anxiety goes away, worry goes away, you know, so many things. We, and we can really deal with this world even in a much more wise way. Any thoughts on that? So, let's see, how much time do we have left? Okay, a few minutes. So now Maitreya is talking, and he says, My dear Vidura, persons like you who are pure devotees of the lotus feet of Mukunda, uh, and who are always attached to the honey of his lotus feet, so now before there was a fragrance, now there's honey, uh, are always satisfied in, ser uh, in serving at the lotus feet of the Lord. In any condition, such persons remain satisfied. And thus they never ask the Lord for material prosperity. So this, uh, this idea of tushti, tushti in Sanskrit means what? Satisfaction. That you just, um, that is a, an emotion that devotees uh, attain as they become closer and closer to Krishna. When King Uttanapad heard that his son Juva was coming back home, as uh, wait, we learn, uh, heard that his son Juvu was coming back home as if coming back to life after death, he could not put his faith in this message, for he was doubtful of how it could happen. He considered himself the most wretched, and therefore he thought that it was not possible for him to attain such good fortune. Although he could not believe the words of the messenger, he had full faith in the word of the Great sage Narda, thus he was greatly overwhelmed by the news and he immediately offered the messenger a highly valuable necklace in great satisfaction. Then King Uttanapad, being very eager to see the face of his lost son, mounted a chariot drawn by excellent horses and bedecked with golden filigree. Taking with him many learned prominents, all the elderly personalities of his family, his officers, his, administ his ministers, his, and his immediate friends, he immediately left the city. As he proceeded in this parade, there were auspicious sounds of conch shells, kettle drums, flutes, and the chanting of Vedic mantras to indicate all good fortune. Both the, both the queens, both the queens of King Uttanapada, namely Suniti and Suruchi, along with his elder son Uttam, appeared in the procession. The queens were seated on a palanquin. So this is the last purport we'll read. After the departure of Juva Maharaj from the palace, the king was very afflicted. But by the kind words of Saint Narada, he was partially satisfied. He could understand the great fortune of his wife Suniti and the great misfortune of Queen Suruchi, for these facts were certainly very open in the palace. But still, when the news reached the palace that Juva Maharaj was returning, his mother Suniti, out of her great compassion and due to being the mother of a great Vaishnava, did not hesitate to take the other wife Suruchi and her son Uttam on the same palaquin. This was the greatness of Queen Suniti, the mother of a, the great Vaishnava, Juva Maharaj. So you could imagine, 
she, you know, this person insulted her son, forced her son to go to the forest at five years old. You could imagine saying, eh, you can catch the next palaquin. <laughs> right? You know, it's like, uh, this is my Uber. <laughs> you can wait for the next taxi. No, she said, please come. Right? So no uh, envy, no... Uh, not, you know, what do they say? Elephants have great memories. They remember. So some people remember everything that somebody did against them, you know, five, 20 years later or something like that. But this was only six months, and she said, okay, cello, please come along. Right? So this is uh, freedom from envy. Uh, this is actually a very advanced thing that she did, a very wonderful thing that she did. Okay, so time is up for this week. Next week, there will not be class. I have to go to New Jersey for some meetings. And we will continue the following week, which is the 14th. Is that right? 13th? 14th? Paka. Okay. Yeah, okay, so we'll, we'll meet on the 14th. Uh, and have a wonderful two weeks in Krishna consciousness. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Don't hold any grudges for the next two weeks. <laughs>